The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to the Animal Communication Podcast, where we talk to animals. We're your hosts, Karen Dendy-Smith, Meredith Tolleson, and Julie Hirt. Every week, we'll share insights and stories from the animals. We'll also share how animal communication is a huge part of our lives, influencing our own growth, as well as deepening the relationship with our animal family. We'll be weaving in special guests and animal communication readings. So join us as we discuss all things animal communication. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Animal Communication Podcast. My name is Julie Heert. With me is Karen Dundee-Smith. Say hey, Karen. Hey, everyone. And Meredith Tolleson. Hello. And this week, we thought we would talk about, so you booked an animal communication session, now what? And what we thought we'd do today is walk you through what you can expect, how we actually do what we do, and maybe some pointers as to how you can come to an animal communication session ready to go. So the first thing I thought we could talk about is how readings actually go for each one of us, because we are all different people. We do readings. We kind of do them in the same way, but we do things maybe a little bit differently. So I kind of, I thought it might be a really fun idea just to talk a little bit about how each one of us go through the process. So Karen, why don't you let us know about the different steps that you go through? Good question, Julie. Um, And it's a really cool thing to be able to talk about this and go through this with people so they know how to get ready for a communication session on their end, but also what we have to do on our end. So what I love to do with my clients is to, I bring them through a connection meditation with me at the start. It's a very short thing, but I, I teach them a little bit of a breathing technique to get into a more calm and meditative state themselves. And then we call in their animal together, which is really cool because some of the clients um, actually start to feel a shift in the energy, which gets them really excited. The other steps that I go through for communication sessions is that um, I definitely start with connecting with someone and letting the animal come through first. Really to set, to level set and to let the animal have their say about who they are from their perspective can really be enlightening for their human as to how your animal sees them versus how the, the human is worried about how they're perceiving their animal. Sometimes it's in sync, sometimes it's, it's not. So it's a great level setter. And we go through hearing how the animal feels about their human and what they are noticing from their human. I go through scanning their body. I have that energy medicine background. So a lot of times animals will spend a little extra time with me and that energy perspective of how they're feeling in their bodies. They will bring up their meridians. They'll bring up showing me pictures of their organs sometimes. So that's a really interesting part of a session that has grown for me with a lot of clients. Um, And it's funny because I think a lot of animals ping their people to find me because of that topic. So it's really interesting how that's growing for me. Um, And then we definitely get into what we call the lessons and talking about what an animal's behavior, situation, health experience, end of life experience, or even passing has to do with a larger a larger context of a soul lesson. So that's really how the process goes for me with their people. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing all that. 
Yeah, Mir, what's your what's your take on the steps you go through, but even how your own Meredithness comes through? Yeah, I was gonna say to what Karen said, it's so interesting how um, when clients find us, they're really they're really drawn in by certain aspects of our personality, and it's always almost always a good fit. As you can probably tell, I have a sort of casual, comfortable style. I like to connect with my clients quickly, develop a rapport and make them feel just super comfortable right from right off the bat. Because a lot of times people come to an animal communication session fraught with a lot of emotion and being able to set that stage of we're all here in a safe space together is a great way that I tend to kick off all of my, all of my sessions. I come to all of my sessions with, um, where I'm already in a cleared and connected space, which we'll talk about a little bit more later in this episode. But I also talk with my clients initially, and I don't necessarily go through a meditation, but I speak out loud the intention that I'm setting, and I invite them to join me in that so that we're all, me, the client, and the animal, that we're all in the same place and on the same page with where we're going with this conversation. I tend to do a lot with humor and compassion, I ask the animal to come in, I ask what the question is, and almost immediately, every single time, the animal drags that human in and they're like, okay, and here's what we're going to talk about today. So we get to those human lessons pretty quickly. As much as I try and spend as much time with the animal as as possible, so frequently, they're like, nope, here's where we're going. Here's where we're going with this. And I just let them lead the session. So that's kind of how I do it. What about you, Julie? Yeah. So for me, what I really love to do in the beginning is hear if they have an, if the client, the human has had an intuitive experience already. So have they had tarot card readings? Have they had an animal communication session before? Have they had any type of quote unquote psychic work? Because that kind of sets the stage as for me as to how fast to move through things, how slow to move through things, because just like you both were talking about that invitation in that uh, collaboration and to some degree holding their hand throughout the whole entire session is really key. And then just like both of you, I connect with the animal and off we go. I actually have what I actually, I find a lot of humor in the, the, these are to me incredibly sacred sessions. And at the same time, there's a lot of humor and levity that the animals will use in an effort to get their messages across that can be rather serious, sometimes heavy. Sometimes people are grieving because the animal's on the other side. And so how does that all work? And so many times I don't take myself really seriously a lot of the times and the animals know that. And so they will um, play off some of that humor with voices or just like cracking a joke or like, I don't know, they'll come in also wearing different clothing. Many things like that. So, but being able to bring that up front to the human and let them know, hey, you know, there's going to be some times where things are going to feel like, like I'm not taking this seriously, but I really am. It's just, we're trying to keep this light so that you're actually able to stay in a, in a higher vibrational place. So I don't know, just those are some fun things that happen for me. But what I'm really curious about too, and Karen, I, I want you to answer this first is, you know, what does, what can someone expect when they have a reading? Someone can really expect, from me anyway, and I know you guys will share this too, I am a wide open conduit. My intention, I set the intention to 
let the animals really lead in any way they feel is necessary. Kind of like you were saying, Julie, I want to be as surprised by what comes out of my mouth as the human that I'm delivering it for. That's when I know I'm really in the zone with their animal. Because if I narrow it down to what I think should be said because of what they're showing me, then I'm not letting the animal's truth come through. So for me, what people can expect is they may talk about their health from a perspective that I don't even know what I'm saying, right? For example, I might use a word. I don't know why I'm using this word, but I am. And we may have to look it up on Google and go, what does that word even mean? And uh, there's a really cool surprise in that. Um, Sometimes past lives will show up. They'll want to make reference to past lives. And usually that comes later in a reading for me because there's already been enough validation and, and concrete information that if they do bring up a past life, it's to give the reading a little bit more flavor and more context around what they're doing with the human in this life. And a lot of times a, a human will say, oh my God, I've always been attracted to horses and farming. I can't believe that my animal is a horse in another life. Like there's, there is fascinatingly some context to what they have thought about for themselves, even in this life. Music references can come through and particular songs where I'll start to hear a very strange song in my head that I haven't heard since I was a kid. And yet again, we have to go back onto Google and look up the lyrics and there'll be a lyric in there that's like, oh my God, that makes so much sense for that human being. And lastly, sometimes an animal will bring through a human past spirit, mediumship, and want that person of theirs to understand that they may be with this other person that this other person was assisting in some way. Um, and it's really cool when, when that happens for the human as well. So those are some of the things that people can expect in a reading for me, things that I'm ready to receive and that I'm not expecting. Those are all so cool. Yeah, it is really, really fun, fun and scary when all these different things happen that you weren't anticipating were going to happen in an animal communication because we're not in control. <laughs> so Meredith, how about for you? So I ask, I ask that the animals deliver the messages to me in a way that I can receive and deliver to the client in a way that they can receive. That doesn't mean that we have to understand everything that it means right there in that moment. But what I've found, the more and more readings I do, is as soon as the human gives me the animal's name, I get an immediate reference having something to do with that name. And that often leads into more of these symbolic examples. I get a ton of... Um, of references to cartoons and movies and music. For some reason, Bugs Bunny and Monty Python and often Star Wars show up in my readings. So I just tell clients that on the front, front end. If I refer to a Bugs Bunny reference, this is just one of the tools in my toolbox that the animals often use to be able to give me these messages to be able to deliver to you. It can sometimes feel silly. And as you were saying, Julie, it's not that I don't take this seriously, but in order to keep that lighthearted, higher vibration that the animals often bring to us. This is the way they, they show me information a lot of the time. How about you? I love what you said about um, receiving because we really, we are not here to interpret, right? So for us, we receive this information and we just kind of spill it out. And I know Karen also talked a little bit about it. It feels a lot of it's kind of channeling, right? And so we're just sharing the information. We're not necessarily to understand it. Interpretation we are never to interpret because it's supposed to whatever it means to you, the human, 
is what it's supposed to mean. What I find super interesting for me is that I actually used this reference with a client yesterday. Is It's like I've got, you know, those old fashioned Rolodexes that were made of paper that like were on the spindly thing, you'd twirl them around and whatever. Like that's almost to me what the animals start to access for me. Like you were saying, Meredith, about what I would understand so that I can be able to sh- get the right words, although channeling anyway. But I can see this Rolodex flipping around and, you know, in my head, and the animal is like, oh, yep, that movie. Oh, yep, that book reference. And that, oh, yeah, remember the lilacs you saw yesterday? That's what I need. And they put it all together and out it comes. And so a lot of the times in a reading with me, there's a lot of symbolism. So it may not be, you know, hey, your phone rang yesterday at 5.45 p.m. And that was such, like, no, it wasn't, I may not be concrete information like that. However, it may be a symbolism. Yeah, you heard a bell ring or there's bells that ring around you or, you know, it could be something completely different, but very much more of a metaphor that the animals will use as a way to get their message across. And what I, to me, I find is that it actually helps the human open up even more to see all the possibilities that we don't have to be in that definitive concrete moment, if you will, they can actually see, oh, look at all the different things that come in as like a butterfly, for example, like right now it's winter. So you're not going to see a butterfly really physically fly in front of you. However, you can see a butterfly on Google or you can see a paper butterfly on a billboard or something like that. Symbols like that can also come through, which I find really kind of interesting too. Um, so as we as we continue to talk through this whole conversation, I'm really curious about um, how you how you both connect we can share how i do too but how you both connect to the animals and what all what all you use how does that work a really good question julie for me and i know people use the clairs right air quote the clairs but i like to keep it really straightforward and simple so what am i seeing hearing feeling smelling tasting sometimes um Knowing, knowing is a really interesting one because you just kind of know, and that's a really hard one to explain to someone that all of a sudden I just know this whole backstory. So all of those things intertwine for me and it depends. I really believe the animal helps deliver the information because I'm open to any one of them happening. Like last night, I just, I had a reading where an animal was not feeling well and I could actually smell something that was going on in them that gave the human a sense of where they were in their health because of the smell that I described, for example. Smelling's not normal for me. So when it happens, it's kind of a surprise. But in all those cases, it's really, I might hear a string of words. I might see a flash of a picture or something that looks like a movie happening in front of me. Or um, I might physically feel an imbalance or some shift in my own body that I can describe. So those are kind of the ways that an animal will kind of use me as a conduit, I guess. And and what about you, Meredith? Yeah. When I open a session with a client, I tell them that. I said, the animals will give me information in all different ways. I see, hear, feel, touch, taste, smell, get feelings in my body, have just downloads of information that would be considered a knowing And I just promised them that I will deliver the information by telling them how I received it. I'm feeling this. I see a a billboard that says this on it. I'm hearing this particular song in my head. It was really hard to trust all of that when I first started training. And it's interesting to me how differently different sessions will go. Some animals are more comfortable showing symbols. 
um, I do get smells. And I remember the first time it happened, I was like, what, what is that? The most fun sense for me to develop or to understand that I had developed was my hearing, because that's not super common or not something that people really focus that much on. But once I realized that I was, I was hearing song lyrics in my head and that counts as hearing, hearing just a random word. And it's not, it's not even necessarily like hearing it like a voice in my ear, but I'd, I'd see an image of a word and hear it at the same time. And that's a combination of multiple senses. So I just opened myself up completely to it and put it in the hands of the animals and said, however, you're going to bring this to me, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to deliver how I received it. And we're going to see where that goes. So it's a, um, it's a lesson in openness and trust with every single session. Don't you think? Oh gosh, absolutely. Like for me, like I started off with hearing and seeing and like you, I would hear the word and it wouldn't be like a voice in my head either, but I could hear it and many times in an accent. <laughs> like, you know, I know we all sometimes have accents or in a song anyway, but I'd hear the word and see it at the exact same time. And then what I was, what I've been coming to terms with is the knowing, the download. That's been the hardest one for me because that's a big amount of trust. I mean, there's a huge amount of being open to everything that's coming in and realizing that it's just just whew, big download waterfall coming at you. And so for me, I get this whole big download. What I'm realizing is I get this whole big download and a right away that word and in both the visual and then the hearing it come in at the exact same time right behind it. That's been really fun to realize that even though I still kind of lean on that hearing and seeing that there's so much more context that comes with that big download that I can also give to everyone. It's like, oh, I see and hear this word. And then I have this whole meaning that comes with it too. But that's been a whole journey to allow that to be what it is and just kind of play with it too. Because there has yeah. to be also, I find like, I don't know how you guys feel, but a little bit of play with all of this. That mm -hmm. Yes, it's sacred. Yes, we take this seriously. And at the same time, we have to allow ourselves to play with it. How do you guys feel about that, Karen? Okay. So in the vein of that, I want to ask you guys, what is the weirdest smell that Kate has come through for you as part of the, you know, your experiences that you've had to describe to somebody? You know, like, okay, oh. I cannot believe I have to say this to you right now, but I am smelling X. So What's the weirdest one that's come through for you guys? For me, it was horse manure. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Mayor, what about you? <laughs> I actually had horse manure yesterday. It's funny that you shouldn't mention that. Hmm. My strangest one was actually what made me realize that I could smell. And it was with my own cat after his passing. He was elderly. He was diabetic. He left plenty of aromas behind. So after he died, everywhere I went, I would smell the smell of cat urine which is not the most pleasant smell in the world. But um, I would just have to throw my head up and laugh and say, thanks, Boris. Thank you for showing me that you're still here. And I could almost see him like snicker and go, <laughs> I could have done awesome. something cute, but that's what I did. Oh, for me, it's it always surprises me when they, they want me to smell their breath. Mm. And I'll be speaking, the animal will be sharing something with me. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I feel like my nose is inside their mouth in my head and all, and I'm getting a whiff of this breath and I'm like, Oh, I have to tell the person your breath smells really tell them, tell them. And nine times out of 10, the person on the other end is going, 
oh my God, his breath does stink or, oh my God, her, she did burp in my face yesterday. So those are always really fun little validations too. Now the breath smelling could be tied to a health issue, but in that moment, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm smelling bad breath, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, side note, there was another session just real quick where the animal was complaining about, and I can't even remember which one it was, and then I could smell it and it was an essential oil and it was a cat actually. And someone was diffusing, unbeknownst to me, someone was diffusing an essential oil in their home that had a negative impact on the cat. And so the cat had me smell it so I could describe it so that the person could make the connection as to what was going on. So yeah, and I love that they can, they'll do that in an effort to say, you know, hey, this isn't healthy for me, types of things like that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I do want to also ask, what kind of questions do you feel like people would like the best kind of questions people can ask when they get ready to come to an animal communication session? Go for it, Karen. <laughs> so for me, like when I set up, set up a session, I, I want people to feel safe. I want them to know that no matter what question they ask, we are on the same team. And I'm here to help and support them and that they should feel safe asking the questions they need to ask, because this may be the only place they can ask the question that they've been poo-pooed by their family about, or a vet, you know, may have like looked down their nose at them, thought that's a stupid question. I've had people come to me and say that, or, you know, even a place where they've had brought their animal for training and they're feeling really embarrassed about having asked a question. And so for me, it's all about being open and being together in whatever question you ask, I'm going to bring that question to your animal in a way that is open so that without judgment, so that they can help you understand where your frustration is and have a look at that question from a perspective that is more um, open, right? As opposed to from a place of judgment. So for me, it's not about I mean, I get all kinds of questions, you know, the typical ones. I think that a lot of us get like, does he love, does he or she love me? Do they know I love them? Are they ready to go? Did I make a mistake? You know, we get, we get a lot of questions like that in many of our sessions. In all of those cases, the animal has given supportive, loving responses. So that's kind of where it goes for me with questions. Meredith, what, what happens for you in readings and like, how do you prepare for the kinds of questions you might be getting? I always make certain that I have cleared and connected. And it's interesting how much that's changed over time. You guys remember when we first started training, like, I know I felt like I had to have all of this time beforehand to, to go through a meditation and through some quiet time and light a candle and, you know, make sure 
everyone else in the house was quiet and set up the scenario. Well, the the more I've done this and the more practice I've had setting that intention, I drop in really quickly. And I know that that's with the support of the animals as well. They've kind of guided me into being able to go go directly to the connection without all of the worry of the things of the preparations that we're supposed to do. I I always tell my clients going in that I don't want very much information on the front end, that I don't want to see pictures. I don't want any background. I didn't even want um, breed or age or any of those things. Going into a session, all I'm going to ask for from the client is the animal's name, gender, species, and whether they're alive or in spirit. And I've started going ahead and asking them for the question on the front end right before I start because it just provides all of the animal with the information. Here's where we're going with this. Because when I didn't do that, when I would wait and ask the question later in the reading, the animal would always drag the question forward and say, but here's what we need to talk about. Let's go straight to this. I found that that's been really, really helpful in allowing them to bring all the information they want to bring right on the front end. The clients tend to want to tell me some stories and when I ask if something makes sense, they want to say yes, no, and here's why. I always stop them and say, don't tell me that yet. I want to be perfectly certain that all the information I'm receiving is coming from the animal and is not being influenced by any of the things that you're telling me. We will save some time at the end of the reading to get some feedback and let you tell me all those stories. And then I really do find myself after a reading saying, I ask the clients, you know, go ahead and send me a picture. I would really look. They really want to share with me the precious picture of their baby, a quick story about any of that. And I love receiving all of that after the reading. Julie, you want to talk a little bit about what the clients need to know before going into a reading? Yeah. So all that's so interesting too, um, what you were just saying, because when the client arrives at a reading, first of all, I know that many clients that have never done anything like this before are really nervous. So as much as you can as a client new to this, as much as you can believe that we, the animal communicator and your animal are here for you, with you, and we're all on the same page, we're all on the same team, if you will, coming into that, knowing that you're in a safe place. I know Meredith and Karen have both talked about that before. So for me, I always tell people, come at this with just an open heart. We talked a little bit too about uh, coming at this with an open heart, but we talked a lot about play. and so. Even if you're coming to an animal communication session and your animal has recently passed um, or you know that your animal's in transition and so there's grief around all that, there's still an opportunity to play in that being open to what's about to happen and work with us to hear exactly what your animal needs you to say, because they're going to meet you exactly where you are and probably take you a little bit further. So just realize that that's what's going on. So clients that are getting ready for a reading, come at this with an open heart. You may want to go ahead and bring a notebook to be able to take notes or whatnot. I know I record my sessions. I think Karen records, and so does Meredith. We all record our sessions um, and give you the files, give the clients the files afterwards so that you can go back. So in the moment you can be in the experience and then later you can go back and reference. And I always suggest to clients to reference more than once because many times you hear it in the session and then you hear it again and you get an even deeper meeting and then you hear it again and you get even deeper. It's really kind of cool how the animals can do it in a way so that you 
get the message that you need in the moment and then the deeper message later on. So just know that as well. The other thing I just wanted to share is that, and this was kind of taking off of what Karen was talking about too, is when you come to these sessions and you may come to it thinking that your animal is aggressive or your animal is um, not happy with you or whatever, when Karen was talking about opening up that question, we'll actually take any judgment or baggage that we humans tend to add to things and find a way to open up that question to remove that. So I just wanted to circle back on that and kind of share that a little bit. That's a really good point, Julie, because, you know, as we're wrapping up this session, this chat today, um, one of the things that really we, we, I think we all have to help coach our newer clients on is to kind of take a step back from their own human biases around how things happen in the world. Because we come at things from a perception that is our filter on the world. And when we start to, when we apply that filter to our animals, we're trying to apply a human filter to their way of being in the world, which isn't how they are in the world. So by opening up the questions and asking people to step away from their perception, their judgment of why, you know, Sammy might be eating Fluffy's poop, for example, or, you know, that's always a funny one that we, we trip over every once in a while, or why somebody won't stop barking or why somebody's peeing outside their litter box. You know, they, it isn't because they're trying to be bad, air quotes. It's because it's their way of expressing something to get our attention. So we can step away from that human bias. We can be more open, like you were saying, Julie, about um, learning things from their perspective, which is a valid way of living in this world, you know? Which reminds me, a really key point that when people come to an animal communication session is to uh, not have the ex. I'm trying to figure out how to say this delicately, how to not have the expectation that the animal communicator will tell your animal how they need to act. And I'm sure we've got examples of this that we can all share. People want to have a behavior, for example, fixed in the way that a human wants that, like you said, barking. And that's what made me think about it is I tell her to stop barking, tell her to stop barking. And it's like, well, let's find out why she's barking. Cause there's probably a reason why. And I would bet you nine times out of 10, maybe 9.9 times out of 10. It's because she's trying to work with you at some, on the soul level for a lesson. We never have the, we never, the animal communicators never come to these sessions with the idea that we would ever tell an animal what they can or cannot do, because that's not in our control. Mayor, how do you feel about that? Well, it makes me think of a conversation we had, I believe, in last week's episode about how if the animal's trying to deliver a message to their human and they're not getting it, how they keep upping the ante and making the the behavior bigger until the human actually does take notice. So that's a really good example of that. Mm -hmm. um, no, even with a behavior background, I'm never going to tell an animal what they should or should not be doing. I'm going to turn that question back around to the human. What is it that they're trying to get your attention about? There's going to be a lesson in this for you. There may be some, you know, some behavior modification or some training that you need to work on, but there's going to be a lesson even in that part. So I'm just here to, to get you an idea of why is this animal continually upping the ante to get your attention. Let's focus on that part. Awesome. Karen, do you have any last thoughts on that before we look to wrap up another episode? I do not today. I think we covered a lot of bases for everyone today. 
Awesome. So if you, anybody listening has a question about anything that we talked about, you can use the open mic aspect on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast platform. If you use the app, there's an open mic uh, feature there. Go ahead and leave us a question and we'll answer it uh, on air on the next, one of our next episodes. We'd love to hear from you all. But if you guys have, if anyone has any questions about what to expect when you book an animal communication session, go ahead and use that wonderful feature and we'll get back to you. Uh, but for Tay, we really hope that you enjoyed today's conversation of the Animal Communication Podcast. You can join us each week for engaging conversations with all three of us, Meredith Tollison, Karen Dendy-Smith, and myself, Julie Heard, all about animal communication. For more information on the three of us and to keep up to date on our episodes, you can follow us on mindbodyspirit.fm. You can also learn more at our website, theanimalcommunicationpodcast.com. If you're interested in attending an animal communication collective event, of which all three of us are directors, like we have one coming up on February 22nd, you can visit theanimalcommunicationcollective.com for all the details. We'll see you next week. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.